I understand that I'm not Tiger Woods. I really try to just focus on each shot. I know what it feels like to just feel like you want to walk off. I can't control every situation. I think that's a huge, huge lesson. Welcome back aboard the Par Train, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brett, the editor, back for another monthly recap as we cross into October. We're going to be looking at everything that September had in store for the Par Train podcast. And if your golf game's off the rails or you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The Par Train podcast helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. And that is a very true statement looking at the final episode for the month of September when we had a very special guest, Irene, on the show. And she'll be sort of wrapping up the monthly recap for this month it was a such a cool episode one that evan was telling me about it he was like this is really a different type of episode that we haven't done before and it it was a fantastic listen absolute pleasure to get that one edited and sent back and of course get posted for all the listeners out there great episode you're going to want to stick around for that recap we'll pick out a good piece of that and give it back to you in case you missed it. Everything that is in this episode of the Part Train Podcast is linked below in the description. You'll be able to go back, click on those links, and listen to these episodes in full in case you missed them. So let's jump into this thing. As always, the Part Train brought to you by Roback Activewear. And I'm rocking one of my first Roback hoodies that I ever got. And as we cross into the chillier parts of where I live in Ohio, the hoodie is the best choice, I think. And uh, this one I'm wearing, is, it's called the Bear Crawl, Killer Green. But I do want to talk about my latest purchases from Roback.com. I went um, pretty specific because I noticed that all my Roback gear, it didn't have the American flag on the back, just the two Roback stripes. So a couple of new items that I got, All-American Block, that's the Q-Zip, one of their latest releases, American flag on the back. I also got the Birkdale Vest, American flag on the back. So I'm pumped up about that. should be perfect for fall. And once you get to Roback.com, you'll notice that there's stuff for the guys, there's stuff for the gals, there's even stuff for the kids as well at Roback.com. And once you check out, enter the code TRAIN and you'll get 15% off. So with a monthly recap here as we uh, sit in October, we're going to dial it all the way back to September 3rd. And when I figured out that Danny Woodhead was a part of September, I was like, good night. I thought that was months and months ago, but it wasn't. It was just to, you know, just really early in September. So Danny Woodhead, former NFL running back, hopped aboard the train to talk about his golf game. And as it says online uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which we would love to get a review from you guys there. We'll talk more about that later. But Woodhead himself, he was saying how he's taken NFL level grit to the golf course. Episode 263, how to get to a plus handicap in five years with NFL legend Danny Woodhead. You're in the NFL. You know how many people want to be in the NFL? To be like, God, I wish I got more snaps. Or I wish I didn't have to fight for my job as hard. Or I wish I was given a bigger extension. Like You can always find something to be frustrated with if you're placing your identity and your worth against the thing you don't have. Right. For sure. And and were there times that I did that? Yes. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This back. is the, this is what you got. Yeah. That you, you're maybe, I love that line. This is what yeah, you yeah, got. That works yeah, for everything. It, it does. And it's like, OK. I'm going to control what I can control. If I control 
what I can control really well, it's not going to matter, man. It just, yeah. it isn't like everything that I do. If I do my best at what I can control, then things are usually going to work out. If I try to go out and do things that I can't control, probably not going to work because I can't control it. Right. So what do you focus to, con- what do you focus on controlling? Let's go through your golf a bit because yeah. I want people to really, I love trying to pick out these nuggets of like, obviously going, becoming a plus four. I'm just, I still can't believe that you've, you can feel that uncertain being a plus four. I think everyone who's listening thinks a plus four like has utmost confidence in every time where the ball is going, what they're doing. You've qualified for, you know, in us mid-am qualifiers, you've gotten close to making the us open. Like, so you're playing in your high stakes things. Now this is your new thing. Yeah. How, walk me through how you mentally go through a round what do you control what do you focus on what is your routine and how do you not get in your own way man i try to stay super present i really do um and is that by observing your surroundings and noticing the trees and noticing i mean i mean mean, some like before before tournaments and whatever i mean i'll take like in a practice round i'll take notes of where i don't want to be right And I mean, that's just, I think, smart golf, (laughs) like just knowing where to be, where not to be, yada, yada, yada. But like, dude, I know some days I'm not going to have it. I know some days I'm not going to have it. I just do just like everyone. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I try not to overreact like I mean, I may say something like, oh, you're an idiot, Danny. Move on to the next, you know? But like, I take it a shot at a time. All right. What do I want to do here? What do I want to do here? And I try to stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then if I hit a bad shot, which this is is more important than anything. Okay, Danny. Like, where are we? And and I'm I'm aggressive. I play I play golf pretty aggressive. Aggressive aggressive ish i play aggressive to my i mean it's a little decade ish but i play aggressive to my target right yeah because if i don't then next thing you know i hit a weak one right out to the right and it's just dead and it's 20 yards short or whatever yeah but what i try to do man there's so many times in a round and for some reason i've been sucking terribly on the front nine this year i don't know why in tournaments it's just been really Mm. stupid but that's like a challenge to me, man. Like, okay, you're three over. How do you get this back to even? How do you get this to one under? Like, what are you going to do? Hmm. So what I try to do is I try to like chill out, take a deep breath, and figure things out. If I hit a terrible shot, I'm in trees. Okay, Danny, let's let's hit it to a spot. Because I'm saying like you can't get on the green at, on a par four. Okay, let's hit it to a spot that you know you can get it within 15 feet for par. So what are you doing? You're taking double completely out of the equation. A hundred percent. You're taking double, but like if you put it within 15 feet, but if you're like 50, 60 yards, there's actually a good chance you could hit it inside that. You can hit eight feet, whatever. Well, your, your odds go way up of making it. And if you're a relatively decent putter 
And then the thing is, you make that, your confidence goes through the roof. If you miss it, you didn't take double. Right. Like, win, there, win. There, yes, there's a way. Like, winning is a five because that par four in your head, you turn it into a par five. You're like, okay, mm. let's find a way to do this. And then don't overreact. It's like, okay, next shot. Let's find a way to get back on track. Just something within the realm of the world. So then you can get the next green in regulation. Like so many people beat themselves up and think they should be putting for birdie every hole. That's just not real. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not real. Like, would it be great? Yes. I would love that, but it's, it's not real. And it's, how do you just kind of stay, stay steady? Well, I'll tell you what, like, I understand that I'm not Tiger Woods. I, I get it. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't like you can still in ha- him. He still missed greens. Like so many people. And it's, it's hard for me. So I, w- I went to school to be a teacher and a coach. Mm-hmm. And I so want the people that I play with, unless I'm playing a game with them, I want them to succeed. I mm-hmm. really do. Like there's nothing better than playing with like my little brother or my brother-in-law's. And they're like 15s, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing better to me than seeing them like play well and almost shoot 70s. Like they just, you know, catch, yeah. catch, catch fire or something. And it's always when they have one shot. How many times do people that are 10, 15 handicaps have one shot that they hit bad and then they're just so mad? Then they stub a chip. And then they three putt and it's like, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a double bogey, triple bogey that should never have happened. Yeah. And it's like, if you just be like, okay, take a deep breath, figure it out, like talk yourself away from the ball even, next thing you know, you're bogeying. That's a stroke or two that a 10 can save. Right. Or a 15 can save. And it's like, it's my goal to never get out of control on a course. Like, that's my good, like, don't get out of control. Like, stay within the moment. Okay. You hit a dumb shot. Okay, fine. There have been plenty of times I hit a dumb shot. I was just at the Nebraska Mid-Am. I hit a, I didn't hit a great shot. I pulled it and I'm in just a bunch of gunch, like the worst situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought I could get it out. I didn't because it grabbed my club and it, and then yeah. I was in a worse situation. What do I do? I try, I, I take my time. I try to hit it out. I, I don't whiff, but like, there's so much stuff. Guess what happens? I take a triple bogey when I should have birdied it. Mm-hmm. I should have birdied it. And, and I, and I, I did something dumb. I could have folded. And, and I was like, okay, bro, like that sucked. Mm-hmm. Like I had to talk to myself a little and I didn't play unreal going in. But the last seven holes or whatever, I played one under. Like, how do you respond in adversity, man? I had so mm-hmm. much adversity in football. Like, I want to do the same thing how I responded to that adversity in golf. And I really think it translates so much because so many people, they have adversity. If they look back on the round, like anyone listening to this, if you just went out and shot an 87 and you were playing pretty decent and probably could have shot 81, 82. Just think back on your round. There were a couple 
just dumb mistakes. And and that's what it is. And and that's the other thing. That's I've gotten significantly better from a five to being a plus four. But it's also understanding the game, understanding how to shoot scores. A lot of my understanding how to shoot scores is just not getting out of control. I used to, bro, I love golf. I will get mad at myself. I used to like hit the club on the ground or throw it. And it's like, I I, I don't think, and I'm fine with anger, but like, I don't think that's going to make me hit the next shot better. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly tame on the course now. That's from episode 263, NFL legend Danny Woodhead aboard the train with Evan Singer. Follow him online at TeamWoody39 and stay up to date with everything Woodhead. We're going to move on. Episode 264 was an LFG episode, which you can go back and listen to. Just short 10-minute episode that'll get you pumped up for not only golf, but, you know, whatever's coming up in your life. Give LFG a listen. It'll get you pumped. 265, though, was a mental game roundtable that dropped on the 10th of September. And it was with a loyal listener by the name of Douglas Brousseau. I love these episodes. It really opens up a whole new way of learning about the game of golf when we bring our listeners in, the real folks, the real deal, all right? Throughout this episode, Doug talks about a few changes that he made in his game to help get that handicap number down a little bit closer to the mark. So let's dive in here. Episode number 265 from September 10th, How to Win Any Golf Tournament despite negative self-talk. It's funny how Doug is talking about like things that anyone can do. It sounds like he's just become a little more focused on what you're trying to do, which is so funny. And by the way, we all get off track in this category. And that's what's so awesome about this game is it's it doesn't matter if you've had 70 amazing shots in a row. You start thinking a little differently. It's normal to start thinking about the result. But the funny thing is that how crazy is it? This statement I'm about to say, we've never said this on the show. Isn't it crazy that it's hard to think about what you're trying to do before you do it versus being so wrapped up in what I've already done, what people might think, how I avoid what I just did, how I fix something. Like our brain is designed to close loops. It's why we bing shows on Netflix with cliffhangers at the end. It's why we click on headlines on on Google or whatever. It's they have an open loop and we have to find out what happens. But in golf, it's pretty rare for us to for a 12 plus handicap to really be thinking through what they want to do and how they want to do it. Does that ring true to you, Doug? Do you feel like that's one of the biggest differences of how you got from a 15 to an eight is just thinking through what you're doing? Yeah, hundred percent. Like even, even down to the short game, like if, if I was 10 yards off short sided or something, I would have just kind of hit it and, and guessed that, all right, this is how hard I need to hit it. I'll just step up and hit it. But now I'm, I'm more into the tune about, you know, where's the ball going to land? How far is it going to roll out? Like, you know, that sort of stuff. I, I never would have paid attention to that before, or I hadn't been. I think some of that comes with like a little more confidence because uh, I'm not so worried about, is the shot going to get there and get as far as I want it to? And now it frees me up to pay attention to the finer details. 
that's a good point. Maybe there's a part of the 15 plus handicap, even the 12 or 10 plus handicap that doubts that they're good enough to think about what they're doing. They've had so much quote evidence of, I guess let's put failure in quotes here, bad shots that they don't have enough belief into thinking that thinking through what they want to do gets them any closer to actually doing it. Right. So there's that disconnect and maybe they don't believe in thinking through what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. Doug off the tee. Do you feel like you have a go a more of a go-to shot these days? I'm always curious to ask, or let's say maybe the driver is not your friend that day. Do you have a club you can turn to whether that's a hybrid or a three wood for that matter to say, I know I can at least get this out there and give myself a chance on a day that just feels a little uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I went out yesterday and played um, Vermont golf association has these tournaments or just single day tournaments. And I played one yesterday shot poorly, but uh, <laughs> it was a beautiful day. And uh, yeah, my driver was just not having it. So I put it in the bag after the third hole and, and turned to the three wood. I usually have a nice little draw on that three wood. But usually if, if, if I need to stick it in the fairway, I'm going to hit my four iron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I had a three, I would probably hit that instead. But yeah, nice, easy, smooth swing with a four iron, get it out there like 210, you know, 220, depending on how I hit it. And that usually does the trick. Well, let's talk about this match play. Okay, you're playing well. I believe you've shot your lowest score ever <laughs> before the match play right? Uh, no, during it, actually. Oh, that was during? Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. So yeah. you're going in. Under um, the gun. <laughs> you're giving, you said, 11 and seven shots? Yeah. You know, it, it ended up being like, I think, five total matches. The first one was um, I had to give the guy like four strokes. That one wasn't too difficult. But the next one, I had to give her nine strokes. Um, wow. obviously, um, she was playing off the forward tees. So that was another kind of like, oh boy, you know, but just going in thinking nine strokes, like I, and like you guys mentioned earlier, I was always getting strokes from people. So to have to, to give up nine strokes and on a par three course where like, so if, if they par, I have to shoot birdie just to tie, like that's yeah. <laughs> just a lot you're, of pressure. You're on the other side of the barricade now. <laughs> <laughs> How's it feel? <laughs> I didn't yeah. sign up for this. Like I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> right, right. Hey, you sure you want to be a single digit, Doug? I'm sorry. <laughs> you sure you want to be <laughs> yeah, a single yeah. digit now? Right. <laughs> so, so what you messaged us, Doug, just to give people context, was you you knew you had to quote play well, right? And that's that's a very relatable, true belief and statement that we think leading into a tournament we all want to play well in a tournament right something that means something to us so for you to know that going in be giving shots for the first time have the lowest handicap you've ever had and still play well the scenario is set up to not play well because there's a ton of pressure there's a, a lot you're not used to there could be a ton of expectations. You could identify now with a single digit handicap. So not playing to that level could feel frustrating. You got to walk us through how you manage to stay 
present and and win. You won. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think going into each match, I, I knew I was I had a challenge against me. Beforehand, I, I tried I tried not to stress about it in the days leading up. Try not to think about it. It's just another round. And leading up to the day of the match, trying to find things to kind of distract myself, that seemed to help a lot. Uh, but once once we got started in the round, I really tried to just focus on each shot. It sounds, you know, cliche, like, you know, I always say, but like, stay in each shot. Like, what's the next shot? What's the next shot? So instead of like getting eager and looking ahead and, and being like, okay, you know, how many more holes do I have before I can, you know, be up on her enough where that it's over just shot by shot. That's, that's really what did it for me. You know, it, there's other factors as well. Staying calm, not over swinging, not trying to trying to do too much. I tried to go into it with the mindset of like, Hey, this is just another round. Like I'm out here shooting with my boy. Um, we're out here having fun. I played this course hundreds of times, like just go out and shoot. Um, what happens happens. And, you know, just trying to relieve as, as much of that pressure as I could. I think that's great. You know, because the other part of this, Doug, and we're going to dig into is not only have you figured for me, one piece is course management, learning how to actually really play this game and think on the golf course, but also is how to deal with the bad shots and the bad holes. Right. And listening to you talk there is like, Hey, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I'm going to give each shot. I'm going to treat each shot with a lot of purpose, but as we all know, there might be a bad one and another bad one and another bad one, but it's how you respond from that. And you talk to us, you message us about in the past, you struggle with just negative self-talk, self-sabotage. Talk us through, obviously, and this is a great example because you played so well and it was a very daunting task to get a win with the, with the cards you were dealt with all the shots. So, so talk about how you, how you've been managing yourself on the golf course especially when things are maybe not going the best obviously every shot didn't go my way and each round was a struggle especially the last round I, I rolled into that round and and the the gentleman I was playing just happened to be my son's middle school teacher so you know there's a lot of pressure from my voice <laughs> like dad you gotta beat him come You're on right. <laughs> so that, that just kind of piled stuff on and I get there and he's got his son with him who's um, like a three handicap. And he's like, you know, a senior in high school and he's caddying for him. Oh, geez. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe he's just carrying his bag, like his back hurts or something. And we get on the first green and he's reading greens with him. I'm like, oh, I'm like, like come on. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Whatever. Like, you know, do, do his thing. Um but yeah, th there were definitely times, you know, especially that last match. I think that's the really the only one that I felt the pressure on was I was like, all right, hey, you're you're finally in a spot where you, you could actually win, right? And strangely enough, it, it didn't kind of overwhelm me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still not quite sure why, uh, to be honest with you. But you know, like that that difficult hole I was talking about. The it's a par three, probably 160 yards, 30 foot deep green. Um, it kind of runs 
45 degrees to the tee box, right? So depending on where it's at, it, it's longer. And, you know, you go short, you're in the water, you go long, you're into some pine trees. Um, and the green just slopes like crazy towards the water. Um, we're on the tee and and don't I just chunk it, poof, right into the water. And I'm just, oh, you're kidding me. And, and at that point, he he, I was only one up. Um, what hole is this? Uh, the fifth hole. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it was like I got one up on the second hole, and then we went all the way through to the fifth, and we were still I was still one up on him. And I put it in the water. I'm like, oh, you're kidding. So he tees off. He puts it a little long. Like, okay, I, like, I can work with that, right? I go to the drop zone. I stick it to like ten feet, probably. Um, he chips down, goes way past. I'm like, oh man, I may, I may have a shot here, right? Somehow I sunk the putt, but he missed nice. it. So, you know, what turned into a, I'm going to lose this hole, we ended up tying, you know. So I, I think that would, be, that would be a big difference. I think the old me would have immediately got frustrated being like, oh, this hole's done. You know, I, I may have conceded or whatever, you know, but sure. just, just sticking with it. Loyal listener Doug hopping aboard the par train for episode number 265. That dropped back on September 10th. Looking at episode 266, that was last month's recap, looking back at August. So up next is episode number 267 from September 17th. We're going to talk a couple of more rounds from Matt Cermak. But before we do that, we need to talk about one of our new sponsors, Whoop. Now, Whoop, it was funny. I was talking with Evan a little while ago when I was putting together episode 270 which is an lfg episode think like a tour pro and we were dragging out episodes from very early par train i'm talking episode number 27 episode number 29 the newest episode in lfg this month was episode 102 and we were really putting a focus on how to think like a pga tour pro and what i'm getting at here is that in a couple of these episodes they were talking about whoop and this was from years ago and they were they were bringing these up because of the pros that were out there with this thing wrapped around their wrist. And now that we have them, we're gonna talk them up because they're awesome. It was probably day two with my Whoop. I get all my stuff set up through the Whoop app and I was on the golf course and once I got back home, it did all of its processing inside of the app and it sent me a push notification and it says, we detected a round of golf. I immediately screenshot it and I send it in a text message to Evan and Matt and I'm like, this thing, it knows it, man. It, it, was, it was too cool. Luckily, it didn't keep track of my score during that nine holes. But one of my favorite features is keeping track of my sleep. Because before the Whoop Band, I knew my sleep schedule was chaotic. The Whoop Band confirmed it for me. See, I was in broadcast radio for 15 years, and I had morning shows on several different stations. In my life after college, there was no such thing as sleeping in. I mean, it was up 4 a.m., go to work, you know, on the air at 6. Tough life for a guy out of college. And it took a long time to get used to it. My biggest mistake was going to bed at 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night. Fast forward to 2023. I put a whoop band on my wrist and it says, holy cow, you need to go to bed earlier. Not in as many words, but you understand what I'm saying. It gives you suggested times to go to sleep. That way you get a full night's sleep to be ready for the next day. And then when you wake up, you can look at your sleep stats to see how well you slept. That is just one of many, many things that this Whoop band does. And you can go to join.whoop.com slash partrain and get a Whoop band at no cost for one month, courtesy of the partrain. I'll give you that site again, join.whoop.com slash partrain and get started on your Whoop journey. 
It's light on the wrist, it looks awesome, and there's all sorts of colors and styles that'll fit your lifestyle, and I promise, it'll keep track of stuff that you didn't even think of in the first place. Check it out and get a free month. All right, episode number 267, your blueprint to getting back on track after a bad round. If you can remember back a few weeks ago, Serm was actually absent from a couple of part train episodes because he was out playing golf, and unfortunately for him, they were a couple of his worst rounds of the year. Fortunately, though, gives us good content and conversation for the part train podcast. So we're going to dive into this episode 267 from September 17th with Evan and Matt. Do you believe that there's a spiritual divine like that some days the golf gods have it for you and sometimes they have it out for you? I think so. I think, I think they were supporting my attitude at Shore Acres and helped me finish strong. And they absolutely punished me at Rolling Green. They said, how dare you think that you have this game figured out? We're going to bring Matt Cermak down to earth and we're going to we're going to have Matt Cermak <laughs> taste what an eight in front of his score tastes like, because it's been rare that we've seen that. And it's about time to bring him down to earth. Let's teach him some humility and humble. The first hole is a par four and nothing odd about it. And I make a terribly tentative swing and flare it right. Hits a willow tree, kicks back in the fairway. Great break. First, Mem- did anyone yell "members bounce"? Members bounce. The classic. Someone said it. Classic. Didn't make a good second shot swing, but it rolled up onto the green. I made par. Greens are lightning speed. Now, what was the tentative swing on one? Just because it was the start of the day? Maybe I don't yeah. know. Actually, yeah, maybe probably. Yeah. Just didn't quite get the target figured out and backed up and just pulled out of it. You know, didn't have a plan. Didn't have your clear didn't plan. Have- didn't have a clear plan. Was maybe just a little too caught up in the moment. And then the second hole is quite an interesting theme for the rest of the day. A lot of three woods, a lot of hybrids off these tees. Some drivers, it's a mix. Extremely tight. Fairway bunkers everywhere. It's a goofy golf course. And I hit this great three wood cut off the bunker, but I'm in the rough. Not a great lie. I got a 54 in my hand. Our pitching wedge. Pins in the front, five yards on, on the green. There's a bunker right in front of the pin, and then it's a two-tiered green that runs away. 54 is, is not a t- pitching wedge. This is, a, this is a tough shot, right? 54 so, is not your pitching wedge. No, excuse me, 48. 48. Okay, got it. Like, this is a tough shot. I've got to go over this bunker from a bad lie. This green is two-tiered, runs away. Like, how am I going to stop this? And then I put in the bunker. What do you do? You know, I'm mm-hmm. afraid of going long. This was the worst sound ever, Ev, and I should have backed off. And this was just, this is when the golfing guys sent me into the oblivion. <laughs> I'm on the third hole here. I'm having fun with this. This is good. Because okay. the second hole, I was in two on a par five and made bogey, by the way. I was just screwing around with chipping. But whatever. Third hole, great swing off the tee. Smart miss on the second shot. I'm in the bunker. So, so this is a 15-yard bunker shot. Tough bunker shot. Because the greens are diabolical. What club do you dig- have? About 58. Okay. I'm digging in. And I just hear click, click, click rocks. Oh, no. On the feet. And I kind of did one of these. I was over the ball and then I kind of like kind of stood up a little bit. But then went back and hit it. And what happened? Sculled it over the green. And there's, you know, when you're playing with a member too, you don't want to be like, God, this sand sucks. <laughs> right. right. Like you're, but you're just like, oh, my God. Right. Scolded over the green, had an impossible chip, made double. 
Isn't it amazing how precise we are? When we want to avoid something, we avoid it. You don't want to hit those rocks, so you hit it thin. My I, I, my feet just digging into no sand. It's pretty amazing it's how precise like, we can be. Why didn't I just back off? Now I've got a situation. That's an anyway. I, why didn't I just back off, dig back into no sand, completely different practice swings, start getting steep, and try to just get as much sand as possible to put it somewhere on the green. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I freaking, it was like, you know, it was like the easiest skull of your life, right? It falls went boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and then you're, you know, you're playing with guys who know that you're a good player. And like, whoa, what? probably like they're thinking like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. So I go. You probably yeah, made so them I, feel better, honestly. Because I think a lot of people don't think a scratch does that. But oh, they do. And it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. But again, why didn't I back off? So I'm three over after three. <laughs> Next hole is like just a similar story. Just missed the fairway. Can't hold the green. Bogey. You know, you're at four over after four. <laughs> you know, and which again like, yeah. doesn't sound that bad to everybody. But when you normally, when normally four over for your entire round isn't a good day. Plus four after four is for scratch. It's a pretty rough start. Yeah, I mean, it's just not where you want to be, right? Yeah. So, but Ev, you know, in my, you know, you're playing with people. You're really nice guys. You're enjoying the day. You don't ever want to bring, you know, in your mind, you're frustrated, but it's not worth it. None of that's worth it. I'm already a little annoyed with the course. I'm like, okay, but I'm just kind of like next shot, next shot, you know, and that's what I tried to do. And there were some really, really good swings. And then there was just those non-committal swings, those shots you get frustrated with. You think you're owed something where I, I, it's like I was just missing the fairway all day and I'm behind a tree or I'm in the bunker. It's a tight golf course and there's big dog legs and just pulling a, a three-wood or a hybrid. Now I'm screwed. And I'm just letting it get to me. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm letting it, you're letting it get to you. You try to get rid of that onto the next swing. What is the dialogue? What's the personal judgment or the, the words or the thoughts you're saying to yourself then? This course sucks. Okay. And you've got to, this course sucks. And you've got to really challenge yourself to be patient on the back nine. <laughs> this is really not a great, it's like, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't like this. I know there's going to be, and then and the guys were saying back nine's tougher when like, again, it's not a long course, but it's just, it's, I don't know how greens can be so fast and so firm, but you can't bounce it up. Right. Yeah. So if you're missing fairways, which is easy to do at this place, you're coming out of the rough. You cannot stop the golf ball because the greens are so small. Right. <laughs> Where short acres are big. Right. Is there a part of you that is getting more frustrated because you're in more of a work setting? Whereas like the other setting is your brother and, and two guys that he's friends with. Well, right. I think like in your mind, you're kind of like, man, that was like the most fun and not, this is not fun. It's just, it's it's different. It's it's, it's, it's different from, especially from a 36 hour period, right. From Wednesday to Friday. But, you know, I'm still trying to pick the right clubs off the tee and I'm still trying to stay disciplined with three woods and hybrids and greens are really fast. And then, you know, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of my own way, I guess. Right. Or I just couldn't get the break I needed. 
so much of golf, Ev, is you know you got to get good breaks. I got that great break on the first ball, but you need a bounce off. You need a kick off a bunker into the fairway. You need a kick. You know, sometimes you need a big bounce in front of the green, and your second shot to get onto the green, which is a twenty foot putt versus a, you know, a fifteen yard pit, uphill pitch. So it just you kind know? of felt like all the bounces then, were going the wrong way, other than the first to, hole. We get to this par three, like five. I'm like six over for the day. It was like the fourteenth hole. Over water, 155. Greens, you can tell, sloping left to right, and the pin is very close to the edge, from center right. I made this beautiful swing. Eight iron, soft cut, 15 feet below the pin. Get up there, and these guys that are putting before me, the ball's going past the hole, and I'm coming back. Past the hole. Like, it's just like, oh, God. So I've got this uphill putt, left to right. And I the people in your group, it kept coming back to him. Yeah. Like this is just like, kind of like, just kind of like a mini golf hole position, like on a mound, but, but it is what it is. Like it's, and I have this uphill putt where I'm supposed to be and I just miss it. Burns the edge short goes down 20 feet away. <laughs> and, and I don't think it would bother me so much if I wasn't so scarred from the front nine with some of my bad decisions, some of the breaks I got. So I three-putted there, and and then on the 17th hole, I'll share this at par five. I rip a drive over the tr- – cut over the trees. Thought I cut the corner. Ends up in a fairway bunker, and I got a tree issue. Then I hit this great, great four-iron into, into the greenside bunker. Ev, I dig in. What do I hear? Rocks. Click, click, click. <laughs> so what do I do? I back off. Now, this is like a 20-yard bunker shot. Did you think about the last time? And you're like, I got to back off. So then I try to get really steep, and I just like chunk it out to like 35 feet, and I (laughs) three-putt. Right. So I hit this great drive, I think, but it's in the just in the fairway bunker. And then I hit this awesome second shot. It just rolls into the bunker, and I make six. But it was that lag putt. I was just already so mad. It's not a way to be. But this game will do that to you. And I was certainly not laughing off the breaks, the bad breaks or the bad moments like I was at Shore Acres because I just certainly wasn't as excited as, as about the course or the day or the moment. Yeah. Well, you and know what this – Look, you know what- that's human enough, but we got to work harder at that sometimes. And look, some days are just – I mean, I think if I went and played again that afternoon, I could have shot great. It was like you hit a lot of good shots. You made a couple of dumb decisions. You shot 80. Chalk it up. But yeah, a lot of bad breaks. But you know what this makes me think of, sir? You've told me, I think we did a podcast in the last couple months. I think it was the one where we broke down your 71, maybe a 70 and a 71. One was in, or maybe it was 70 and a 73. Yeah. And one was like really tough conditions and the other wasn't. Yep. And you said something to yourself. You said, you know, you're just going to have to work a little bit harder today to get back to neutral to do what's normally comes easy is going to be a little bit harder today. The difference between that round and this round is the first round at shore acres. It was easier to kind of shrug off, smile, laugh it off because of where you were. Those rounds are rare. Yeah. Right. So in this case, this is a great lesson for everybody listening that if the goal is to stop feeling the pain, if the goal is to laugh, if the goal is to enjoy 
and all you're doing is not enjoying, it makes it worse because you're not accepting where you're at. You're wanting to be in a different place, a different headspace. And so for you, you seem to play your best when you kind of whip yourself in the butt and you say, it's just going to be a tough day. This isn't my favorite course. Would I come back here and play? Maybe not. So let's treat this as a new challenge. Like instead of me expecting to play well today or to enjoy myself today, why don't I try and see how I can battle through the rest of the day and treat it like a challenge, right? Like golf gods, you want to throw everything at me? You want to give me all the bad bounces? You got to do what Jordan does. Jordan would create a new challenge anytime something new arises. And that's a totally different offensive feeling than, which by the way, this is not easy to do. Like, I know what it feels like to just feel like you want to walk off the course. And I'm not saying you were at that point, but. Oh yeah, no. But, you know, that that is a different place to be than, come on, man. Like, just laugh it off. Have fun. That might make you feel worse. Yeah. No, that's a good point, Ev. Solid insight, per usual, from Evan and Matt. That's episode 267, your blueprint to getting back on track after a bad round. And that will bring us up to our final episode for the month of September. It dropped on the 24th, number 268. I love the title. I love this episode. Probably one of my favorites so far throughout my par train journey, which started right around episode 196, I'd say. I think I jumped on board for the editor's position. It's just an amazing story. And how golf is tied into it is another amazing part. It's emotional and inspiring. And like I said, to kick off the recap, it's something the guys really have never done before, which makes me love it even more. And the way the branding works on this show, when you're able to harness that, and literally name the episode off of what we tell you every single week. It makes it all the better. Episode number 268 with Irene. It's called, If You Can Smile Through Bad Golf, You Can Smile Through Anything. I think a lot of people might hear this and be like, it could seem trivial and silly to like use and compare golf to something so painful, like you described at the beginning, and healing trauma. It could feel like, it could be hard for people to put that together. I don't think for most of our listeners that's the case because they probably hear us make that those connections regularly. This is probably at a different level. But it is interesting how so much of you talked about identity. Sometimes the thing that you're grabbing onto the hardest, and I've struggled with this myself, can be the thing you have to let go of the most. And it can be really difficult to do that. Because it's the thing that you want the most. How can I let go of that? That's the thing I've been trying to do for 20 years, right? But then when people realize that the best way to bring something in or attract something or create something is to loosen your grip on it. I know it sounds a little woo-woo to say that, but it actually is an amazing analogy for getting anything you want in life. And especially letting go of the identity part, I think is the hardest thing. Because what I've learned, Irene, be curious to hear if you connect with this, is anytime I've ever struggled in my life, personally, professionally, golf, non-golf, it's always rooted in self-criticism. Always. Self-judgment, self-criticism. It always is there. I'm not feeling like shit because I lost six golf balls. 
I'm feeling like shit because the narrative in my head is telling me that I'm a failure because I lost six golf balls. So it's that self-judgment and that identifying with that performance is where we get into trouble. What has your experience been with that as you've been a beginner and with your trauma work prior? Oh, completely. I mean, you just you just nailed the whole thing on the head. But I grew up in a family and in a world where you know I, I constantly was judging myself and, and had judgment from others and would drive myself to extremes, like extreme emotions to compensate for the judgment I knew I was going to receive. And even when I first hit the golf course, I really thought I had worked through self-judgment and also judgment of other people. But as a new golfer, it is terrifying when you go up and you think everybody's watching you when you're about to tee off and you have so many thoughts in your head of like, if you don't hit this and you look like a, you know, uh, for me, like a silly girl that's trying to play golf, you know, so much negativity. And I couldn't, I literally could not drive the ball more than maybe 10 feet. I don't know. I couldn't even get it off out of the tee box the first couple of times I played because I was so crippled by self-judgment and judgment of others. And that has changed now. And, And what is crazy, you know, people might listen and think, oh, like, I don't know if this really applies to me, but the more that I was able to let go and to not judge myself of no matter what was going to happen, I have found more success at work in my personal relationships with my husband, my stepson, even with my friendships. Like I am becoming a better person because I am learning to let go and I can't control every situation. I think that's a huge, huge lesson that that I've learned in golf. I can't remember your original question if I'm Well, let me ask, let me follow up with this. A lot of people hear you got to let go. But when it's been something you've held on to for years, it's a really hard thing to do. So was there something you said to yourself? Was there something else you focused on? How did you let go of the judgment standing on the tee box? For me, it was literally just trusting trusting my body that if I lifted my arms up, how um, I took lessons. Like if I lifted my arms up, how the instructor told me to, if I let it fall, I did the best I could do. You know, I I'm in the beginning stages of learning, but just knowing that whatever you bring to the table, whatever I could do with that swing, that was the best I could do. And I would continue working my ass off to get better. But that mentality of you can only give what you're capable of giving and know that as you work harder, it will get better. No, I mean, I, I think this is a, this is actually a great part of part of this episode here. Sir, it kind of reminds me of the throwing bag of sand that we were talking about off air. Yeah, no, it does. Finding that, letting you find that thought that brings the best out of you. But I mean, Irene, come on, you you've played a lot of shows, concerts in your life, right? I, I'm sure, and you're going to have it again and again as you continue to have this successful career. That you you had that moment like oh my god there's a lot of people out there, right? Was so you focus on how many people there is, 
you're going to forget maybe to play the songs or what's the first song or what's the second song or what maybe has helped you in that situation. Cause I love these translatable tactics, kind of like acts like things you can do or think right for me when I'm, when I'm nervous on the first tee box, which is all the time, I shake my hands, I breathe from my stomach and I tell myself, slow down and focus on your target. It's like, I have to like, you know, do these things. You might see me shaking my hands, right? Like, you know, yeah. in the corner of the tee box, but it's like, it's and helping my scratch player. It's helping my body kind of even out, you know, in my, but I don't know, maybe you can tell us what got you through that big show or big concert, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to answer this honestly. I, I almost think like when I'm on stage and I have a guitar in front of me and a microphone, I, I don't feel nervous. Yeah. It's almost like a. Do you feel this because you're, you're confident in what you're about to do? I like, feel so safe knowing yeah. that oh, this is perfect. Actually, you know who Rick Rubin is? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, One of the big legend. producers, legendary producer, legendary music, producer, rock guy, rock and roll. Yeah. And, and he talked about once that, you know, as, as an artist, if you are going to make a work of art, you better be doing it because your, your soul, yourself needs to make this art and put it out in the world for you. And it's like an offering, you know, to, to God or to the universe or to whoever. It's, it's this offering of that part of your, yourself. And whether people like it or not, oh, well. But the feeling of knowing that you put it all out there, that's the amazing thing. And I'm, I'm just slaughtering the, the way he put it was so much more poetic, but, yeah, but, uh, but when I'm on stage and I have that guitar in my hand and I know that, you know, I have spent months or years to, to develop the craft of the lyrics, my voice, my tone, my guitar playing, everything. I know that it's the best that I have to offer. And so I have never once, even if I've messed up at a show, I don't hate myself when I mess up with music. And I'm just yeah. now finding this, but perhaps that is the mentality that I couldn't recognize anywhere else in my life. And golf is what kind of started bringing it out. From September 24th, episode 268. If you can smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything with special guest Irene. Learn more about her at irenesentropy.com. Irene's Entropy, E N T R O. PY.com. That'll put a wrap on the monthly recap here in October. Thanks for tuning in, as always, to the Part Train Podcast. We'll be back next month to recap October. And in the meantime, of course, still plenty of episodes to go back and listen to if you missed anything. They're available for you whenever you need them. And a great-looking rest of October is also coming up just around the corner, so stick around for all of that. And a quick reminder, if you enjoy the podcast, we would love a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And a quick reminder to sign up for the Train of Thought newsletter. Once per week on Mondays, Evan and Matt share a thought or an insight or a nugget that can help you on the golf course or just in your day-to-day life. So go to thepartrain.com and get signed up. I'm Brett, the editor. Thanks again for being with us. I'll see you in the middle of November. Enjoy it.